Welcome back to Close Your Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. What do Pierre Garçon, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman all have in common? They all attended Division III institutions. In their minds, Division I statistics were not indicative of a pipeline into the professional leagues. They wanted more from their educations than a roster spot on a college team. And Division III schools offered the perfect blend. The culture wasn't D1 or bust, and it worked out for them. D1 or bust was also not the mindset that this week's guest had. He decided to attend a Division III college and become one of approximately 188,000 student-athletes who decide to pursue D3 sports each year, the largest cohort of students in any of the three NCAA-sanctioned divisions. Perry Cortuccio then found himself on the roster of Montclair State University's baseball team in 2019. I wanted to go to a school, um, Division II or Division III, because I knew I could play at that level. I had that self-awareness of that level. And I wanted to go to a school where I could develop as a player. Because if I went, even if I had Division I caliber, low Division I caliber, um, if I was a division, low Division I caliber player, uh, I would not probably, I probably wouldn't play. And I wanted to go somewhere where I could play, practice, get to know the coaching staff and develop relationships and develop myself as a player and also as a student. So those were, I mean, the student part, the academics part and the location part was very big in my process of trying to figure out where I wanted to go. Um, and then just interest. So like if if I had a bunch of bunch of interest from division two or division three schools, I kind of waited out where, okay, what majors do they have? Where, where do I see myself in a couple of years when I'm graduating? Cause that was, a, that was the ultimate goal. And then um, am I going to develop as a player in these four years that I'm here? Cortuccio's ties to the game span back to early childhood when his father put a wiffle ball bat in his hands and told him to swing. Now, a decade later, he was donning the red and white and representing his university on the pitcher's mound. It, it's a it's a shame that some kids think if I'm not, if I don't play Division One I'm not good. I think we're getting past that a little bit because we see a lot of guys or who are in JUCO colleges and stuff and stuff like that 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 do that uh, can perform at the same level as Division One school. According to MLB draft data from 2019, of the 1,217 draft picks that year, 686 were D1, 95 were D2, and 10 were D3. Statistically, Major League Baseball selects the highest amount of non-Division I athletes, but the draft is also significantly larger than those of the other leagues. This is in comparison to the NFL, with five D2 players, and the NHL and WNBA, which selected zero D2 and D3 players in their 2019 draft classes. In the NBA, on 2019-2020 opening day rosters, only one athlete was not from a D1 institution. Additionally, 39 players were drafted from Division III universities onto an international team. The opportunity to follow a Division III to professional ball pathway does exist, but for most D3 athletes, more weight is placed on the college experience and the ability to get an education while creating friendships than playing professionally. It's, a, it's an opportunity and a blessing to play in college because I, I'm a strong believer that wherever, wherever, you, wherever level you play at, in Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, or JUCO, like in college, college athletics is the best experience of your life because you'll you'll create all these relationships and have all these memories with your, your with the best friends in your life. I'm a strong believer of that. Even if you don't play, even if you do, the relationships that you build with the people around you because it's a job. No matter what level it is, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, 
college athletics is a job. So when you get to spend countless hours doing the same stuff every single day with your best friends, it's the best experience of your life. Now, I'm, I'm serious. I mean that with, from the bottom of my heart. Getting recruited was Cortuccio's first experience with sports psychology and the mental game's impact. I think the mental component to being recruited for college is just understanding that there are a ton of guys who are trying to do the same thing as you. And the big part is doing something that stands out. So it, I tell kids all the time, um, if a college scout is recruiting you, right? And they see, they, they're obviously recruiting you for a reason. They see that you're doing well, you're successful and you put up good numbers or whatever it might, might be. And they see you go, you know, they, they see you perform poorly, right? How do you respond? So how are you responding to that adversity? Are you throwing your helmet on the ground? Are you, you know, being a bad teammate? Are you slouching? Are you, are you showing bad body language on the mound? Like what is that factor? Because all it, all it takes for a college coach to do is just be like, X, you're off the list because there's so many other um, people who are trying to play at the college level. In order to capitalize on those opportunities with scouts, the stereotype surrounding elite performance requires that athlete identity be strongly correlated with success in the sport context. Cortuccio says that it's something he still deals with. Being, hey, I'm, my name is Perry and I'm a baseball player. Like that's all I do, that's my title. And when you lose that, you lose yourself. It, it's, it's tough. I, I wish I could give you a better answer with, um, how to overcome athletic identity. I still don't know if I, I am because I, baseball's always going to be a part of me. His struggle with athletic identity came to a climax when he had a difficult outing. It was an inner, inner squad, a scrimmage with the, our guys, and the, it was the first time the freshmen were pitching or, and playing, and I had to prove myself to the coaches that I, I was still pretty good. And I just did the opposite. I. Uh, I walked four guys in a row without throwing a single strike. And so I have 16 balls in a row. And I remember throwing the ball in the same exact spot, every single pitch. And after the second walk, I had so many questions in my head where it was like, why are you still here? How did you even get into college? You should just quit now. You're never going to see the mound. You're never going to see the field. Stop pitching. You, you stink. Um, and it, it was like the worst experience of my life. And, I, and I, after the third walk, I was, it was just expected that I was just going to walk the next guy and like not even throw a strike um, because that's the kind of confidence that I had after that. I had no way of going back. As soon as I started having those questions that and questioning my ability to play the game, I knew there was just no going back from there. After the scrimmage, he went back to his dorm and didn't eat or talk to anyone for the rest of the day. His self-confidence was tied so tightly to his ability to perform on the mound. Only once he began to understand sports psychology did he see that experience as a character-building moment in his life. During that phase of understanding, he began to envision his life outside of baseball and realized that playing was no longer a passion. In the spring, I remember it was over winter break actually, I was like very on the verge of me not wanting to play anymore because it, it, was, it was not fun. And the second I realized that it wasn't fun anymore for me. It was a second, like I realized maybe baseball isn't the right thing anymore. 
Um, and it was so hard to think about because I wasn't telling, I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anybody that I was doing it. I, I didn't tell the kids I was living with that I was quitting um, or had the idea of quitting. And I remember I was working out over winter break because I was training. I was still, I was still a baseball player. I was still training. And I remember being on the squat rack, like my second set. And I turned around to my trainer after like one rep. I was like, dude, I don't want to do this anymore. I literally don't want to squat. Meaning like, I don't want to get better in what I want to do today. Like I, I don't have a purpose for being at this workout. And when he, when he's like, are you like, are you for real? I was like, yes, like I actually do not want to get better. What do I do? I, he was the first kind of guy I talked to about me wanting to quit. And he told me it was, you know, my decision. And, and if, it was, if it was the best thing for me. And then I ended up going home after that workout, told my parents the whole story. And I, I made a decision the day after, like, I, I have to call the coach and tell him that I was quitting. Um, we had a group meet with the new coach and he wanted everyone's number preferences for the year. And he got everyone's numbers preferences, except for me, because I was still on the verge of even playing. And he texted me, he goes, Hey, Perry, I still need your numbers. And I text, I called him and I was like, Hey coach, I went in the car because I didn't want anyone to be around me. And I said, coach, I don't think, um, baseball is in my best interest right now. I'm sorry. And he kind of asked me questions about what I wanted to do after. Um, he supported my decision. He didn't know me that well. Obviously, we didn't build the relationship because he was new. Um, so it was easier than expected if I were to talk to a, the coach I had last year. Um, but then after the phone call, it was like a five minute phone call. I was bursting in tears. I was crying. And it was like the worst day because I just quit something that I put poured so much energy, time, effort and money into my whole life. And knowing that what, you know, I didn't have to show up to practice was made or show up to a game every day and not see my best friends that I alluded to earlier every day. Like, what was I going to do with my life? And then it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, I think it's worse than a breakup because you're, you, you are in, in this relationship with the game for 19 plus years. Um, I think the only people who could maybe understand what it is, is, is former athletes who did quit uh, who, who went through who went through struggles like that or even you know they go even further and stretch it like people who um who are married and they got they got divorced like that kind of relationship and love and, and memories like it's kind of the same similar with the sport that you, you you pour so much energy into so that's that's my ted talk it took Cortuccio a while to rationalize that his life going forward would have to find other ways to stay connected with the game of baseball i was thinking you know what, maybe that happened for a reason. Obviously baseball, me playing baseball wasn't the best path and this is. And I think when you have that realization that a pivotal point happens when you're literally in the trenches and you're just rock bottom, like when you go through that and then you come up from it and figure out life and figure out um, how you overcame that, then that's when you just, you're on fire. I think people, I mean, I, I, I'm very biased obviously, but I think when I hear a lot of stories of successful entrepreneurs or successful athletes, they go, they, they all go through the worst to, to get up and, and try to thrive. Um, they're not just surviving in it, they're thriving. To keep his love for baseball a mainstay in his life, Cortuccio penned a book called Reaching Home Plate. The link to pick up his book is in the show notes of this episode. I think what's, what's unique about my book is, is it hits the audience of youth athletes, high school athletes, 
college athletes and um, even professional, because I do have uh, an adequate amount of professional players and athletes who give an inside perspective of what it's actually like in pro ball. And I think that's really cool um, to see because you, if you can hit the youth athletes and, and um, parents, and then you can hit the high school athletes who wanna get recruited into college, who are also interested in playing professional baseball. And then you even have a, you know, a reader like a professional athlete I mean, in the minor leagues, seeing advice and hearing advice from veterans who were in, in MLB for years. Reaching home plate includes anecdotes from all of the aforementioned demographics, along with head coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, MLB and MILB pitching and hitting coordinators, and sports psychologists. I kind of got into sports psychology when I was in the process of uh, writing my book and reaching out to people and wanted to learn more about the field. And when I got in touch with all these awesome professionals in, in professional baseball, um, in terms of performance coaching, they kind of opened up my eyes and my understanding of that mental skills is very much a skill. Like it's a, it's a skill set. And from my brief understanding when I was starting off and when I was an athlete was sports psychology or mental performance or any of that is just, oh, I'm going to get pumped up before a game. That's it. Uh, and that, like that, and that's confidence. That was my very short understanding of what it was. And when I found out that sports psychology was a field in, you know, sports and, you know, baseball specifically for me, I was like, wow, that's, this is awesome. I want to learn more about it. So I read books and I listened to a bunch of podcasts um, so that's kind of my introduction into like a very short introduction to sports psychology. Along the way, he found Brian Miles, the mental performance coordinator for the Cleveland Indians. Miles took Cortuccio under his wing and taught him about the intersection of performance psychology and sport. So when I was when I first connected with him last year and he was the first guy to really tell me what the field is about, I was like, wow like they're talking about mental skills and how you could use it to improve your performance and overcome all these adversities in the game one i wish i knew this when i was playing and two i didn't even know the job existed or that that job title was even a thing so i was like yep that's the job i want i'm going to keep going with it learn about how what the path i need to take to get there and then, then just do it because i was very much of a, a go-getter and i wanted to just get that get that work done and, and you know hopefully the opportunity comes my way my career goal is to be a mental performance coach, um, certified CMPC, and hopefully have an opportunity within professional baseball. Like I can say confidently that's my end, end goal with it all. I, like I, I see myself, like I visualize um, seeing this moment, like me s standing on the sidelines watching spring training. Like that's what I want. And that's like my end goal. So I always like lean on that and think about that. Um, so the whole process is, does it keep doing, you know, what I'm doing in terms of whether it's connecting and, and networking and talking to people, um, in the field and outside of the field, learning, reading books, doing the schoolwork. That's like the most important part, part probably, um, getting get into grad school, um, specific, specifically for a sports psych program and getting my applied work done. So then I can get the hours done for the CMPC, take the exam, pass it. Uh, that's the, that's like the route that I have to kind of go through. Um, if, if I can help any athlete along the way in any way, like I'm all for, it, I want to. So that's kind of what I'm doing now when I'm coaching.
He coaches youth athletes using sports psychology techniques like pre-pitch routines that he recognizes could have helped him during his playing days. I think a cool thing that I could have used, whether on the mound or in the batter's box, is a pre-pitch routine or a um, mistake routine. And a lot of a lot of examples that I show is Aaron Judge, who's with the Yankees, of course. Um, he does this mistake routine where he swings in a bad pitch or he gets a bad call from an umpire or he misses a ball and fouls it off that he should have crushed over the left field wall. He'll step out of the box and you see him, you, I see this on TV, it's, it's actually incredible. He'll step out of the box, grab some dirt and then throw it away. And what that does for him, and I think that I could have used it, is it, he takes away, he, he picks up all the mistakes that he just did, all the negative thoughts that he just had in that moment and literally physically throws it away. And it, it seems so simple, but it's something that I think would have helped me just kind of move on and play to the next pitch. I think um, just typical breathing and understanding my breath more on the mound would have helped me calm and, and help me calm down in, in high pressure situations. I think um, in training, if I'm training and working out, I would tell myself to to have maybe some more positive or effective self-talk. Like that would have been probably beneficial for my confidence and my, my low self-esteem that I had when I was struggling. Um, all these things I think I could have definitely applied. Um, so again, that's why I kind of want others to implement these skills into practice, into their training, into their game. The breakup with sport may happen at age 12, 18, 21, or later down the line. But the lessons we learn from our participation in competitive environments is a lifelong commitment. Thanks so much for tuning in to the seventh episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. You can follow at Closer Mental on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date on upcoming speakers and full-length interviews. If you have an idea for an episode or would like to tell your story, send us a direct message. Tune in next Wednesday when I bring on Chris Jackson to talk about the way athlete mental health is portrayed in the media. See you next week.